unknowns don't have to be scary and there is an actionability around them and we can use them to kind of come up with not only a vision but something that we are confident that we can actually ship to the cup customer you know relatively quickly so that we could be on the forefront welcome to the strategy and leadership podcast the podcast that brings you practical advice lessons and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world the strategy and leadership podcast is brought to you by sme strategy working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans to learn more visit smestrategy.net and now your host anthony taylor Hey there, folks. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My guest today is Atif Rafiq. Atif just wrote a book called Decision Sprint. He's the CEO of Ritual, which I'm super excited to dive into and and get more insights on. But he's also worked at a C-suite and general manager for some companies that you might recognize. Uh, Volvo, McDonald's, MGM, Yahoo, Audible, which got acquired by Amazon. You know, just just companies like that. Atif, how's it going today? Hi, Anthony. It's great to be here with you. I'm doing great. I'm excited to, I mean, I know that's a short, short list of your resume of, of all the cool things you've done, but why don't you give our listeners your own bio and then we'll get into the questions for today. Sure. Well, I've been at it for about 25 years and um, I can tell you it hasn't been a straight line I probably have made two, you know, at least two major pivots in my career. But I began very early in the internet and uh, was very fortunate to be part of companies at their peak, whether it was AOL or Yahoo, and then most recently Amazon. Uh, at Amazon, I was a general manager of a $2 billion business unit. And I thought I would stay in tech, you know, pure play tech forever. And then in 2013, which is about 10 years ago, you know, something began to change in the world and every company in every industry saw that some aspect of their business, either their customer experience or the business model would be, you know, transformed by tech. So in that year, I became the first chief digital officer in the history of the Fortune 500. I did that at McDonald's, which was uh, obviously has a lot of scale being in over 100 countries, 100 billion of system revenue, you know, just a very uh, big ambition around changing the customer experience to be built around tech so that is something i did for about four years and got that off the ground you know it was probably felt like 10 years of work right and because of success there i was able to you know continue to grow in the c-suite i was the first cdo to then also take on the role of a global cio which i did at volvo and i i, I made some changes there in terms of how it is looked at in the company and then I reached the president level at a which was uh, MGM Resorts, which is a Fortune 300 company. So, you know that that's sort of my corporate background. I did sprinkle an entrepreneurial venture there in my mid twenties uh, for four years as well. And so, you know, I keep kind of coming at tech from kind of the, the whatever the next wave is, um, and that's sort of what I'm all, all about. 
Mm, I love that. I find it so cool that in each of those instances, even, you know, within Amazon and before your, you know, chief general officer days, you know, you had a very specific mandate. It sounds like, right? Like evolutionize, which I'm sure is a word, the digital component of a business at a time where no one was doing it. Or more importantly, it was at an inflection point of the business where it had to be done well. It had to be done uh, integrated and it had to be done as a foundation of the business. And I assert that you probably, probably use the, a similar methodology, whether that's the design sprint, the ideation or something to be able to get you from point A to point B um, in each of those instances. Is that a fair assessment or how did you go about kind of seeing what needed to be done and then putting it in place? Well, if I look at uh, the last 10 years, you know, in more traditional companies, they've been around 60 or 90 years and, the world has changed and maybe they flatlined and now it's now about you know igniting new growth i love those opportunities and the way i approach them would be always to first ask a simple question which is what does good look like for the customer hmm. and so that's a very liberating question because it's unconstrained and um you know you uh, begin to paint a picture that's all about you know where things stand right now as opposed to the way we've chosen to do them you know for decades so that's very liberating i can tell you that doesn't take very long at mcdonald's i was hired and i put that on the table within 30 days now it took the next three and a half years to get it off the ground and bring it to life you know not only in terms of building capability but getting the organization on board with it and really getting momentum behind uh, the initiatives. So, so, so that's one thing. I think the second thing is, and this I didn't know until let's say the last couple of years, because when you're in the middle of doing things, you, you're not always able to articulate like how you know, your, your method, so to speak. But what I found as a red thread is that I'm very comfortable with unknowns. So if you say, this is what good looks like, this is the North star, the very next thing you, that dawns on most people is, wow, here's a list of, here's a mountain of things we don't understand how to tackle. And that's what I call the unknowns. And I wrote a whole book about how to tackle that decision sprint. But in my work, I was comfortable that that wasn't uh, something we should be discouraged by. It's something we should set our minds to and begin to act on those unknowns and get try and get to the bottom of them to see you know what we can actually pull off. Uh, rather than trying to limit our thinking in the beginning and ship something small and insignificant that the world's not going to talk about, you know, let's try and get, you know, get in, roll up our sleeves on some of the harder questions and see what we can, what we can actually pull off. And so at high level in these companies, McDonald's, Volvo, MGM, what I was trying to do is really work with teams and in fact, teach that organization that unknowns don't have to be scary and there is an actionability around them and we can use them to kind of come up with not only a vision but something that we are confident that we can actually ship to the customer you know relatively quickly so that we could be on the forefront 
Yeah, I love that. Um, I definitely want to ask you about your experience in in the change management of it, because in some cases, you know, you took like a nascent industry or something been around for 80 years and you said, hey, let's institute digital. On one hand, you know, the prospect of growth is often enticing, but then some people might say, you know, oh, like, what do we not know, as you had said, and and the unknown scare people. When I was preparing for today's call, I, w- I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, your, your background, your educational background. And so one of the things as I've learned looking backwards is not everybody finds has the same background experience understanding. Not everybody's skills or things they bring to the table are clear. And for you, I saw you have a degree in mathematics. So solving for X is not uncommon for you, whereas other people and engineers also have a very specific problem-solving framework. But some people don't think like that way. Do you think that your mathematics background tied into your ability to basically solve it's an equation, but everything is an equation. If you're a nerd like me, did you think that you approached it that same way? Is that how you think about it? Or is it not exactly that tied together? That's a fascinating question. I mean, first of all, in full disclosure, I was a weak math student. You know, you, you always know those math geniuses who win competitions since they were 12 years old. That's definitely uh, not me. I was sliding by just trying to do the minimal work to get the the high grades. So that's a, a, a C plus is and a degree is still a C plus and a degree. Take it from me. But anyway, go on. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're very kind. But actually, uh, it's a great question because uh, two parts to it. One is I have found myself to be a systems thinker, which I think ties to the math piece. And I love systems level problems, which is why what I'm working on now is not, you know, how does one company manifest their vision for their space or their industry, but more like how do companies in general work and move their ideas forward and what's the system for their innovation. So that's what I'm working on now. So I like systems problems. I think that ties to the math piece. One of the things that was lucky and it's all accidental is to, in my background, is to go to a liberal arts college where through some accident I started, uh, I love sports, so I was writing for the school newspaper and maybe they ran out of qualified people to actually run the whole newspaper. And at some point they said, hey, as opposed to just writing about, you know, the Sunday's football game, you know, what or Saturday's football game, why don't you and, and and this person over here run the whole newspaper? So at some point I was editor in chief of the school paper and writing became something that I began to, you know, invest in. And I was so terrible at it. And it took me three hours to do 30 minutes work, that kind of stuff. But, you know, practice makes perfect. The reason I mentioned this is because I think that, um, you know, we need to be able to bring others along. So we're in a business career, we're in a corporate career, you you and your firm do a ton of, of change management. We have to get people nodding their head around the table and at all levels. So in the boardroom of McDonald's, you have five minutes to do it. In the boardroom of Volvo, you know, yeah, same thing. Now, with your peers in the C-suite, you know, you get 30 minutes, right? And with the teams, um, you know, further into the organization, maybe you get a few chances and some whiteboarding, right? But eventually, all of these contributors and colleagues need to be activated. If 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 they see the picture and how the puzzle works and they believe, then a lot of things will start flowing, like investment and commitment and buying and, and, and all of that. 
I, I think that's that's really cool. And one of the things, by the way, if you connect with Atif, he's got 500,000 followers on LinkedIn, uh, and it just means you probably are a good writer. So writing, the ability to write simply, uh, com- write, make complex things simple and persuasively, both in written and oral communication are critical. Um, and so it's a good school uh, skill to learn, even if you're turning to chat GPT to write 90% of the yeah. stuff you write, not you, of course, other people. Okay, I have a, a, a question just dawned on me because, you know, if I think of the companies that you've worked with, they've been super mission aligned and they have something that they're very clear to. And, and so I like, I think of, there was a job I had at a car show and I was promoting the XC90 and the XC60. And like their thing was the cross beam across the door, keep you safe. You have McDonald's, like building off the speedy system, keeping, like making sure you have that fast experience. I was at the now original McDonald's in Chicago, and they're converting that one to drive through only, which I'm curious about if, I don't know if you know that. Did you know that? Uh, are they doing that? You you made a face and that's why. So yes, I was there in the Chicago, uh, the the one, you know, whatever it is. And they started taking off all the artwork off the wall because they're saying, hey, we're converting this location drive through only. Anyways, the point of that is that to me is a major change. What was your experience driving those changes forward in these organizations that saw the future, that saw their mission, which was connected to the customer? And how was that received within uh, the organization, broadly speaking? I think it's very important um, when you come into an organization to really respect the heritage around like what got the organization there. And maybe that's obvious. And, you know, people have heard that a hundred times. Uh, but let's be specific in, in Volvo's case, you know, obviously you're referring to safety, to things like sustainability. I mean, those are part of the mission. You know, when I got to McDonald's, you know, I would always introduce what we're doing with digitization of the of the company as very connected to our heritage, saying, okay, McDonald's has always stood for, you know, taste, value, and convenience. In my role as chief digital officer, I cannot really help you with the first two, but I can help you own the third one. And that started immediately getting head nods at the board level and with my peers, because that is what got us here. Exactly what you said, we invented things like the drive-through, but you know we have to think about what that looks like over the next 10, 20 years, how you take out the friction, keep it a fast, high quality experience. Um, and what does that look like? So then you open up the conversation, you have people's attention and you can begin to uh, give them, for example, use cases like, oh, what if the customer could do X, Y, and Z? And people would say, well, that makes a lot of sense for the customer. It sounds like a little bit challenged operationally to solve for. And I say, okay, absolutely. Well, that's what, that's what we're going to go do next is we're going to create a pathway where we're going to explore some of the these unknowns. And that I think is the most important thing I learned in the experience because every, my personality is different than other people. Maybe for me that it was obvious that of course we have this idea in this use case, uh, we don't have all the answers, but you know, in two months we could be a whole lot smarter. One challenge, and I think people listening in Fortune 500 companies or larger companies will see, uh, sometimes they don't even get the space to do that. Mm. And and why is that? And I have a phrase in my book uh, where one pitfall in you know collaboration and pushing out new ideas in companies is alignment before exploration. Where 
we, we haven't given space for exploration, but we want to align. And what we're going to align on is probably some small thinking that waters down the idea because that's what we know will work. And so I wrestled with this over many years where when I got to Volvo, I actually banned the word alignment. I said, you cannot be in a meeting with me and use the word alignment. I don't ban anything. Everything's great, but just don't use that word because where where I'm seeing it being used is for people to prevent, you know, sort of and not really give permission for uh, teams to be able to convert their big thinking into, you know, something concrete where they have explored it well enough and they can defend that it is doable. And that wasn't the right thing. I needed to take a different approach, which is teach them what is better. And uh, that's where I've arrived at over the last couple of years, which is exploration before alignment. Then you get people nodding their heads saying, yeah, that makes sense. And we're okay giving a couple of weeks for teams to do that and then seeing what comes out the other end. Hey, Anthony here. One of the things I don't talk too much about on the podcast is what we do at SME Strategy. So I wanted to let you know that if you and your team are thinking about getting together you know, this winter or even in the new year for strategic planning, that we'd be happy to have a conversation to see how we might be able to help your team walk through the strategic planning process and make sure that your people, your strategy, your culture are on the same page. One of the most exciting parts about the work that we do is being able to lead people through a proven process to help them get to where they want to go. If you're interested about that process, our video about it on YouTube just hit over a million views. So be sure to check that out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but most importantly, I wanted to let you know that if you are looking for somebody to partner with your team to support everybody in getting aligned, moving forward towards a clear set of goals and objectives, and really making sure that you have the foundations for that next stage of growth, that we can partner with you to do that. Whether that's through an offsite strategic planning session or, you know, follow up support services to keep you accountable, to help your team grow and develop, or really to lead a full transformation. So if you're interested, check out smestrategy.net. You can check out our about page, our services page. It'll tell you more about how we do things. And I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to see if we're a good fit to help. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. And now let's get back into the episode. Cool. I like that. We are a big fan. Uh, my heart dropped a little bit because literally I wrote a book called Alignment and I'm a big fan of it from a strategic planning perspective. But I think the the context of exploration before alignment, when we do a strategic planning process, we do our SWOT and it's real basic. We're not talking the same thing, but we do a pestle analysis. We allow everybody to come to their own conclusions as to what success is and then look for not agreement, but saying, hey, like, where, where, what, what do we want? And I think that what you do there is, hey, let's focus on what's best for the customer first and then figure out how, how to get there after. But I really like that exploration part, especially if you think 10, 15 years ago, like this, this newest frontier of digital where it was big and scary and unknown, but also potentially rife with failure. And then now, you know, you don't need to convince people that digital is a good idea. But now it's just like so much more complex and the ability to create a differentiator in the world of digital from a customer perspective when their needs have changed. Like, yeah, the customer has gotten way more complex over 20, 30 years because digital's handed them literally everything they want on the platter. You know, I, I'm curious your thoughts as to how you see the future. But before I ask you that, anything else that you want to share in terms of your you know, design process and your lessons learned through that? 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, you and I are on the same page. I mean, alignment is essential. I mean, without alignment, then basically you get fits and starts and projects, right? And people, you know, you just see the thing unravel, right? So we see the symptoms downstream. But yeah, high level, like the way I see the world is, um, you know, every company has like this chart where there's a pyramid and at the top is their mission. And then they have some strategic pillars. And then under each pillar is a set of initiatives. That's actually what teams are working on for weeks and months to kind of essentially develop a plan for, get buy-in, and then move on to execution. And so that's like, that's a lot of what a company is about beyond, let's say, the day-to-day, keep the lights on, if that makes sense. Now, if you take any of these initiatives, they have two components. And and what I talk about in my book is the upstream component. So in my view, there's upstream and downstream. And the difference is, you know, once you have made decisions or you reach a decision point and you've crossed that, you know, that's where you tend, tend to go into execution, you know, because you decided one way or another about things. So you know what actions need are, are um, committed to and you, you know, you have your project plan and you begin your downstream component around <clears throat> executing those actions that, you know, that have been decided. But the upstream piece of like, we have a promising idea or a problem that's meaningful that we need to explore. And we don't really know what conclusions we should draw for yet, what recommendations we need, need to get people aligned to. And then if we had that alignment, what are the detailed, you know, specific decisions that unlock action? And that whole body of work is what I call upstream. And it's just, you know, it's very time consuming, it's cumbersome uh, and has has a lot of pitfalls. And that's where I'm dedicating kind of my current, you know, systems thinking, <laughs> math orientation to how do we make this a lot simpler, meaning faster, smarter, and probably less meetings too. That's the that's the piece where where I'm um, you know I'm 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 very focused today. And I think essentially what I have done over the uh, in my latest metamorphosis is I've shifted from the what to the how, if that makes sense. Because as opposed to saying, oh well, what is the future of drive through for McDonald's? Or if you're a Volvo, how do you sell a subscription and simplify the buying process? You know that's shifting from what you're doing to the customer to how the company actually collaborates and works. That's the product or the, that, that's the space where I'm trying to innovate uh, through my ideas, like like the ones in the book. That's awesome. I love that. I think it also brings up an interesting perspective for, for you, the listener, is as you get your team together to, again, dare I say alignment, uh, to say, hey, at what level are you looking at? Are you looking at the why? Let's say your vision. Are you looking at the what, the end outcome? Are you looking at the how, the process that you're going through? And and I think that evolving the how process is critical in every company. I think that's where people are at right now. But I also think it's important to make sure that there's connection between all of those. So improving those, but going into a meeting, if you're at the why stage and someone else at your team is at the how stage, you know, you're going to have a disconnect. And if you have a strategy meeting and you go into rabbit holes is because you're probably jumping to the how before you got the what and the why. Uh, and so just a, a word to the listener there um, to be to be aware of. Atif, as we finish up our conversation today, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the book? I understand why you wrote it. You want to share maybe some uh, any other key takeaways that might entice our listeners to pick it up on Amazon or Audible? I know a guy that worked on Audible and he's a, a pretty nice guy. <laughs> 
Great. Well, on your last point, I think it's uh, an excellent point as well, because, you know, the way we once we have an idea and we form a team, what do we do? We start we have a brainstorm. Right. And what happens is exactly what you said, Anthony, which is you have this uh, people vacillate. You know, some people are jumping to solutioning. Other people are trying to really understand, hey, what are we actually dealing with? Um, you know, other folks have, you know, sort of process a limited set of the important considerations and they're making a judgment. So, of course, and then you have personalities, then you have groupthink, then you have authority, uh, who has the authority in the room. All of those things make for what I, I think is very, very suboptimal in terms of how an idea progresses forward, you know, and it's very frustrating in the workplace uh, for teams. So one of the, you know, just to share some practical tips, one of the best things I think we can do um, and teams can do is basically look at sourcing input as a specific step in the process. And in, in my book, Decision Sprint, I break down 13 workflows. Um, I won't go into those deeply, but basically if you look at an early step as, hey, we're going to basically collect input on all the right questions that we need to get our head around. And that is essentially getting to first base. And this helps us avoid a couple of things. One is, you know, well, we have a blind spot. A question came up way too late when we actually already developed our recommendation. That's not a good thing. Hmm. It might prevent people from rushing to opinions and solutioning, for example. It might prevent people from overweighting something, one consideration or factor, because they've gone that, down that rabbit hole that you've mentioned. So <clears throat> there needs to be a sequence of like, we have a promising idea. We're going to start with questions. We're going to make that a specific step in, in our flow where we actually feel like we have a, a great list of the right questions behind this promising idea, for example. And then we're going to work on getting to the bottom of these questions. And then we're going to kind of draw conclusions, <clears throat> see what recommendations the team wants to get stakeholders, sponsors aligned to, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get decision points where now it's game time. It's about money, resources, project plans, et cetera. If there's not a, a way to handle this, you know, you can imagine a number of a, a number of pitfalls along the way. And that's what we want to avoid. And I think it's very avoidable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it. Well, I, I mean, yeah, we're like, as we had talked in the pre-show, you know, looking at different problems the same way. And we look at that input, that strategy, that vision piece, but I can't understate the importance for you as a leader, the listener, as you're going through problem-solving pieces with your team to make sure you've got the right problem statement, to get the right inputs, to make sure you're focused on the right outcome. It's so easy to work on being busy, but you might be busy in the wrong direction. So pick up Atif's book, uh, connect with him, learn more about it, because I think it'll only save you time, headaches, and money. So if you're interested in fewer headaches, more money, and more time, uh, then yeah, that's probably a good book to buy. Uh, Atif, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about your work and uh, you know, presumably follow you on LinkedIn? I have a website, decisionsprint.com, and you can learn all about this sort of uh, model of innovation that I think will propel sort of the next era of problem solving. And then on LinkedIn, I, I have a newsletter. It's called Rewire. 
Um, if you connect with me on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Newswire, you'll get uh, a lot of practical tips and inside stories from my career. So love to share more with, with everybody who's listening. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you, Atif. I appreciate you being here. Uh, it was a really fun conversation. I'm sure we could talk a lot more about the future of technology, but we'll maybe save that for another day. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much, Anthony. Appreciate you, sir. So folks, my guest today, Atif, and he, uh, one of the things I really am taking away for everybody here is, you know, while his body of work, body of knowledge was, uh, you know, Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, you can get his book, I'll plug for your book, but really steal how they do things. They're successful for a reason because they've been able to do a couple things really, really well and they've used the same methodology at scale. So whether you're an SME, whether you're a hundred or $300 million business, use the same approach to make sure that you're super clear on what you're trying to solve for. It'll align your team, uh, but it'll also make sure that you're doing it in the right way that you're gathering information and that everybody feels confident that you have the best result so you don't have to backstep through the process. So thank you, Atif. I appreciate you being here. And my guest, Atif Rafiq, he uh, is the author of Decision Sprint. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Appreciate you watching. Be sure to share this with your team to have them uh, question and reflect on how they solve problems. I think it'll only make your team better and it'll help your organization accomplish what you want and drive forward more customer success. So thanks for watching. Thanks for being here. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week, so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.